feeling? Are you feeling comfy? Are you feeling good? Um, I'm on this mattress that's a very bad mattress, <laughs> but it's fine. I meant emotionally comfortable, but I'm glad you're good. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, emotionally. Um, yes, uh, Chicago's been like a world of wonder for me, so. Yeah, well, really- <laughs> I also meant how are you feeling about right now? Are you feeling comfortable with this? <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> this is off to a great start. We're doing great. Uh, okay. All right. Don't judge me. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Katie Heisen, and welcome to You're Too Much, the podcast where I ask funny people to get overly honest with me. Today, I'm on a Skype call, so poor audio quality, but totally worth the guest because I'm talking with Kayla May. True story of how I met Kayla, and I hope this is the bougiest thing I ever say on this podcast. (laughs) I was standing in a museum in Paris in front of a Renoir painting, and it was so... It was so beautiful that I started to cry, and I was like, oh, I can't let anyone from my program see me crying at a painting, so I was kind of ducking my head and covering it with my hand, and I became aware that someone was to my right, and I just turn, and it's Kayla, and we make eye contact, and we're both crying at this Renoir painting. (laughs) And we started laughing and crying, and I was like, that's it. We have to go through all the museums together. And we wound up being kindred spirits, I'd say. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah, still friends to this day. Unless you want to take this moment to announce that's not our relationship. Um, No, I think today we're pretty solid still. (laughs) Depends how this goes. We'll see. Yeah, we're going to see how it is at the end of this. (laughs) At the moment, we're we're Gucci. (laughs) Gucci. Um, so the last time you visited me, I was so genuinely blown away and refreshed by, um, just your honesty about what was like a really rough time for you, um, and how straightforwardly you talked about it. Um, (laughs) I'm wondering if you could just give me like an overview of that time. Yeah. Um, I think when I last saw you, I was on my way through Gainesville, like before I moved to Chicago, it was like a couple of months before I tried to move up here. Um, it was the tail end of <laughs> a really daunting time in my life, which started, um, truthfully, it started in 2015 when I decided to go back to grad school, um, which was a whole slew of nonsense. And so uh, by the end of 2015, I found myself back in Tallahassee which was fine and great. And I had been wanting to get there cause I hated my hometown and I was like drowning, um, there. But by the time I got back to Tallahassee, I found that most of the people that had made it a home for me were gone. Mm. Um, so that kind of cut out most of my support system pretty early on in this situation. And then of course, uh, within a couple of months, like I moved there in August, in October, my grandmother was diagnosed with colon cancer. And then the following spring, after I had started grad school, my aunt was also diagnosed with colon cancer. Um, so the whole year of 2016 was like <laughs> a weird spiral of me trying to like find my footing in grad school, interact with these 
people who were like four to five years younger than me, who came <laughs> straight from undergrad, who yeah. like, <laughs> I had nothing in common with, who had like never done the grueling nonsense of like customer <laughs> service. And you could tell by the way that they talked to people. <laughs> I was always like, oh, well, I don't know if I connect with you at all. Um, but you know how grad school is. Obviously, you're in it. And it's like when you're in your program, there's that's it. Like those are the people yeah. you see. And there's no outside interaction. So it was like this weird situation where I wasn't really connecting with them. Um, but I needed social interaction. I'm a very disgustingly social person. Like you <laughs> probably remember, like I would just leave my house if I was feeling lonely and I would literally go to like a pool hall and just play pool yes. with strangers because I needed social interaction. So I still went out with them all the time. Um, and I guess I had a depression that was just really creeping up on me. Um, and before I moved back, I was taking bouts where I would stop drinking for a while because I had quit smoking cigarettes, which made me drink a lot more <laughs> because it's a cycle. Right. And, um, <clears throat> I guess I hadn't really noticed that my drinking had really grown it, you know, I exacerbated the whole situation. Um, and it didn't help that, you know, my, my family was getting sicker as it went on. Mm -hmm. Um, so... I, there's just like a compounding of situations. <laughs> right. Um, I guess also in 2015, I started dating this guy. Um, and we kind of broke it off because he finished his grad program in 2016. Yeah, 2016. And he was like, I'm gonna go work on cruise ships. And I was like, great. All right, cool. But then he was like, I'm not working on cruise ships. I took a job in Tampa. And I was like, you son of So Oy. we ended up getting back together. Um, after I was just like, dude, I love you. Like, just going to be honest, like, just going to go for it. And, uh, so we ended up getting back together in January of 2017. And then a couple days after my birthday on February 2nd, I was, um, charged with a DUI and I have not had a drink since then because wow. it was a very big wake up call. Mm -hmm. Uh, jail's really cold. I didn't like it. <laughs> so it was mostly the cold. It was really the cold that brought it out. I was like, ooh, this is, you know, rehab is probably also cold. Yeah. So everything's just thoroughly air conditioned. Oh, yeah, aggressively. aggressively. And uh, I didn't, I don't even know if I had my shoes. It was weird. It was a tough time. None of my belongings. The, the toilet was weird. It was worse than an airplane toilet. Not into it. Um, <laughs> so I leave. I go back to my, my home, like my, my, uh, my roommate picks me up because she is a perfect human and I am so grateful for her. Um, <laughs> and I immediately begin beating myself up about it and I beat myself up about it. Um, <laughs> up until basically last November, I think is when I stopped beating myself up about it. So it was almost two years of just constant <laughs> abuse of myself which uh, just proliferated with the depression that I was already dealing with and grad school and family. Um, so my boyfriend at the time lived in Tampa and I was in Tallahassee, which, uh, you know, is about a five hour drive to somebody who can no longer drive. Right. So it made our relationship extremely strained and uh, that was tough to begin with. Um, and then the court date started coming up. Um, and I would get a notice for my court date every month 
and I had a lawyer, which was, you know, whatever, fantastic. And, um, a lot of money, lots of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which you were rolling in because you're in grad school. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, tack it on to, can I take out a loan? Do, can I get a direct Stanford loan for this? Or, 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 how does this work? Um, <laughs> so, but I would start getting the court dates every month and I would get them like two weeks before the proposed date. And then I had to wait because my lawyer was going to tell me if I had to appear in court and he wouldn't tell me that I was or was or was not appearing in court until the day of. So like the whole week leading up (laughs) to the court date, I was like an emotional disaster Mm -hmm. and the day comes and then he's like, no, you're not going. And then I was like, "Uh," and it's just like, you know, your heart kind of stops a little bit and you're just like, okay, great. Uh, All right. Good. All right. Cool. So then, you know, you just go to class or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine that being layered on top of grad school like not knowing your schedule and having that added tension and stress. Yeah. Well, luckily the court dates were always on a Wednesday. (laughs) Okay. So at least I knew to try to not schedule any classes on Wednesday. They don't, they don't talk about that. Well, I guess the DUI court for the state of Florida or whatever was on Wednesday. I don't know, but every single time (laughs) it was a Wednesday. So at least there was some continuity to it. (laughs) <laughs> and the continuity of constantly being, you know, t- just stressed beyond belief. Right. That was also, you know, pick and choose your battles, I guess. Um, <laughs> so that whole year, 2017, I guess, was like that. My license, of course, was taken away for six months. Um, so I ended up getting it back. I drove around a little bit and then... Uh, which was nice having my, my license back. And I, I started cycling a lot by that point anyway. So, so that was actually a really good thing. Um, but it ended up ending my relationship <laughs> because we like, I had to take a bus to go down there and it was just so stressful. Um, and he couldn't keep driving up cause he had a full-time job. So, uh, it made it a lot more complicated, which was like a big hit on me. Cause I was like 100% ready to marry this dude. I was like, yep, I'm good. I'm happy. This is like, we know each other like inside and out. I've known him since high school. Um, so I mean, we weren't like tight in high school, but like, I mean, I I know who he is, so it was nice. Um, so that was like a really rough blow that happened in October of 2017. And then the following month I flew out to Phoenix to go see my grandmother who had just beat colon cancer and had had her, everything like reconnected, but her Alzheimer's was slowly killing her. And she didn't remember me sometimes when I was there Mm. or she could like remember me, but not place me in time. Like she kept thinking I was graduating high school. I was like, if I looked like this as a high school graduate, like we got problems. I'm almost (laughs) 30. Like, come on, can't do that. Um, so that was like really stressful. And I was just like, Oh great. Well, I wish I had, you know, someone to, to fall back on, but I guess I don't. So, and I skipped some classes to be able to do that. Cause I was like, this is probably the last time I'm going to see her. And it was, um, she died the following February. Um, cancer? no, of just Alzheimer's. She beat the cancer. She beat all of it. And, um, it was just her, her disease just slowly killing her. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
Yeah, that was a subpar time. And I was just like, the, after she passed, um, I started going to grief counseling. And uh, I guess I also started going to counseling because it was court mandated for the DUI, but I ended up keeping up with counseling in general <laughs> um, because I clearly needed it. <laughs> also on Wednesdays or? Um, no, those were usually Thursdays. Okay, It's good to space it out. Yeah, well, that way, when the court date didn't go through, I could yeah, sleep the next day. <laughs> there was a method to my madness. Um, there really was. Um, so anyways, uh, the therapy was going great. The grief counseling started, it was all right. Um, what, um, can you tell me what grief counseling, like, is, was that just with a random counselor, or is that something you do through a program, or... Um, well, FSU had a, like a program where it would be a handful of other students um, and a counselor, and she would basically like have everyone introduce themselves, like talk about you know who they're grieving, and then go through usually like little writing examples where you would write down like a time that made you happy about it, or hmm. You know, like how you were feeling that particular day or like a specific memory that you cherish or like what type of like what m movement you were going through with it because you know grief is like this weird beast that kind of just beats you up at weird times and you never know what side of it you're gonna get um and I've, I've seen that true with all of my friends who've gone through it like my best friend lost her sister to a drunk driver not long after I'd gotten my DUI which was horrifying for me um one because my friend is of course grieving and two because I'm like oh that could have been me um I mean it wasn't I didn't I was asleep in my car um <laughs> but still uh it was like a big another wake-up call like another smack in the face like if you were just a little more reckless you know you could have been that person taking families mm -hmm. um but she still goes through the motions grief is weird uh I don't recommend it <laughs> do you feel like people expect you to move linearly through it people outside of grief do i think because they see you know the steps you're supposed to be mad you're supposed to be in denial then oh eventually the stages yeah so they kind of expect certain activities i guess from you but it's it's not at all like that um, because I mean, at the same time, after I lost my grandmother, I started grieving my aunt, even though she was alive, because she stopped letting any of us even see her, mm. um, because her cancer like took root. It metastasized um, pretty aggressively into like her lungs and her liver. Um, so I just went ahead and was like, well, I'm already in counseling. I might as well go ahead and uh, start, oh, start opening the door for this. Um, which did help, I think, in time. Uh, it helped me prepare to lose her because it was going to happen. It was very obvious. The only people in denial about it was her daughter and her husband. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess I was basically done with grad school. Um, I had my capstone left and I dropped my capstone because my aunt was uh, diagnosed with brain cancer and everything was just speeding up. And also that May, right as my capstone started, one of my cousins died unexpectedly. Um, Jeez. Yeah, it was like a whole hullabaloo. But 
I got two tattoos when my cousin died um, because it was a Friday the 13th. And was it was it May or June? Anyways, uh, it was either May or June. And I there's several tattoo parlors that do $13 tattoo specials. And I was like, well, I don't drink. I don't smoke. <laughs> the only addiction I have is tattoos. <laughs> They're $13. <laughs> Girl, I went to two different parlors to get two different tattoos, one of which is, like, the jankiest cactus Ooh. of all time, and I love it. Wait, did you do that to collect on multiple $13 deals? I did, because I... So the first... <laughs> I did the one because I wanted to get one done because my cousin had just died, and I was like, I don't know how to cope with this right now. I'm panicking. Like, I need to do something that'll take my mind off of it. Like, a tattoo, I'm just going to get it. It's 13 bucks. Like, I've been wanting one anyways. It's It's, like... When you want a cigarette and you get that one puff and you're just like, okay, cool, I'm not jonesing anymore. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I wasn't going to be satisfied with the one tattoo, but my other cousin called me in hysterics, postpartum depression, like losing her mind about it. And I was like, all right, great. I just calmed down. I am no longer calm. Let's go get another tattoo. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I went to this other parlor and I, this other parlor does this thing where you can bring your own item. So I printed out a doodle bob from SpongeBob <laughs> and I got that tattooed on me. And anybody who asked was like, that's fantastic. And so it's like this weird camaraderie you get with strangers when you're in a bad headspace. I'm sorry. I've got dogs barking. <laughs> I'm sure he has uh, valuable thoughts. Okay. Um, but there's a, there's this weird value that I have when I talk to strangers, when I'm in a bad headspace that, I don't otherwise get because they don't know what you're going through. They have no judgment. They have no concept. And so it's easy to freely talk to them because it's something that doesn't particularly have much weight to it. Um, so I think that that actually helped me a lot that day was just hmm. talking about nonsense and stupid tattoos to total strangers. Most of them were like 19. It was their first tattoo. Like I actually sat down with two 18 year olds who were like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, they were like <laughs> their wrists and I was like, that's going to be great. You're going to love it forever and not regret it at all. Said the woman Part getting a doodle bob. <laughs> I love my doodle bob. <laughs> I forget he's there all the time. And then I see him periodically in Wait, the mirror. He? Um, he is just underneath my left armpit, uh, <laughs> which I got him there partially because I also, <laughs> in 2015, I had breast tumors removed. Jeez, Kayla, I don't even think I fully understood the scope. Oh, yeah, it's been a wild ride. Like, the past uh, five, four years have been nuts. Um, real bananas, honestly. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess it all led me to where I am, which uh, is Chicago, and I love everything I do here. Um, so it is worth it. Um. What, what was the peak of that? Like, I hesitate to even ask that question. Like, what a terrible question. But, like, if... Oh, you're... the climax of yeah, it all? Yeah, like, like, when you felt like it had culminated and you... Like, did you ever get that sense? Or did it just feel like an ongoing mess? Um... It was like being in a wave pool where I would be, there would be troughs where things would kind of calm down a little bit and I could act like a normal human. 
and then there were times when the waves would peak and sometimes they were higher than others and it would be really frustrating um like i mean i i ended up withdrawing from my grad my grad program mm -hmm. um i couldn't finish it i had to get out i didn't have a support system in tallahassee any longer and i could see that it was like really starting to affect me um and then with the whole dui situation i had gotten um i got the dui february 2nd of 2017 and I was formally charged with it on April 9th of 2018. So it had been <clears throat> over a year of just mm -hmm. that trap. And then after April 9th, um, my license that had been reinstated after six months got uh, taken away again for six more months. Because that's the apparently the justice system and the Department of Highway Motor Vehicles are two separate entities. And oh. so... Um, no. <laughs> they do uh, what they will Who knew? so i lost my license again so that was another frustrating time in the summer yeah uh, i because i feel like i when i saw you last it was maybe right after you had withdrawn from your grad program yes and did that did that like affect your identity or your self-perception at all a little bit it made me feel like i was running um, and in truth, I was. I was running from everything at that point. Um, I think really the biggest thing for me was, I guess, my aunt. The death of my aunt, the like lead up to the death of my aunt was mm -hmm. because it, it affected every single immediate member of my family. We were all trying to be around her. She wouldn't let any of us near her. She um, she was kind of taking it out on her closest members and you could see that it was just a strain on everybody. And, um, I guess it had just been going on for like two years of, two years of grieving, honestly. Uh, and I guess when I withdrew from my grad program, it was understanding that I needed to put myself first for once mm -hmm. and not like the perception of myself first. Mm. Um, so I have been, I've been going to therapy and then my first therapist asked me to get on medication and I was adamant about not getting a medication. I was just like, no, I don't know who I am without medication. I've never met that person. So I don't know if I want to meet her. Um, mm. and then eventually things got to like an ultimate low, <laughs> And at the end of 2017, I guess October, November of 2017, I think that was the culmination when I think back on it. That was my lowest. It was after my relationship had ended. It was when I realized that those two family members were 100% going to, to die and that I had nobody around me. Um, and I started like, I started withdrawing and I started not wanting to be in social situations anymore, which is mm -hmm. extremely unusual for me. Mm -hmm. um, I would just like leave and go into like the, the woods or something and just hang out. Like I would just sit down and not talk to anybody. And like, you would think that that would be like a ni nice, like serene headspace, but it was like completely vacant. Like there was nothing in my head anymore. I wasn't, I wasn't reading. I wasn't creating. I wasn't really even thinking for myself anymore. I, I just felt completely removed as a person. And I started to realize that I was losing who I was then. Um, 
so when I decided to withdraw from grad school, it was actually like the first step of me taking myself back. Despite the fact that I loved my grad program, I learned a lot, um, and it is the field that I want to be in, 100%. Um, And it was really hard to leave. It was hard because at the point that I withdrew, (laughs) I had finally started being honest with everybody. I was like, look, y'all, I got committed of a DUI. Like, I haven't been myself this entire program. You haven't even known who I am, any of you. haven't known who I am. I am a complete stranger to all of you. And because of that, you're all strangers to me. And I don't know how to interact in this sphere anymore. And, uh, I, I had started crying at like my rant (laughs) in everybody's offices, professors. I didn't even have (laughs) find me. It was so much my poor advisor. I started off me not wanting to cry to my advisor anymore. And then, (laughs) and then it was just me crying at other professors and they're just like this, Kayla May, are you, is everything, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta go visit those Wednesday professors you never had. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me, can I talk to you? So, I mean, I do want to, I want to go back and finish everything. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't gotten to that point because I'm in a good headspace right now and I want to keep it that way as long as I can. Um, Yeah. When I saw you, I was leaving Tallahassee today go to Daytona all my belongings there um great so I had started going back and forth to Chicago starting in August of 2018 um and my first two weeks up here I had a couple of interviews and then my aunt passed while I was up here so I ended up having to fly back down and it ended up being it was easier than I thought it was going to be um I guess just because I was already in my mind, she was already gone, basically. Like, she wouldn't let us even talk to her. I sent her two letters, um, just being like, look, I wanted to say goodbye to you. I don't want to, to say it, but if I don't get any other way, this is how I'm going to do it. Um, I did it handwritten, because I have a value in handwritten notes. Uh, she emailed me back. So at least I have that still. It was... <laughs> It was just so silly. She just acted like everything's just fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I get the front, but also, yeah. But um, I ended up coming back and forth to Chicago basically from then until November. And in November, I got my final interview for the job I have now. Which you're doing uh, transportation logistics? Yes, transportation logistics. Mm-hmm. It's for... Um, it's for a delivery company, so it's private and not public sector. I don't know if I should actually disclose where I work. Oh, no. <laughs> um, it's top secret, and actually that was a front. You don't even do that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, transportation logistics is just fine. Okay. That's what I wanted to do, so it's fine. Um, can I ask, like, what, what did you need or want from people during, like, the lowest time? You know, like, how could people, like, what would it look like for someone to show up in the way that you needed? Um, it was weird. Like, the handful of people that were there for me, most of them were nowhere near me. Um, Mm -hmm. My best friends, the three that I have, one was in Daytona, one was in D.C., and one was in Phoenix. Um, 
but I have like two close friends in Tallahassee. One of them would just pick me up and just take me for a drive and we would just listen to music and we would just talk about anything. He would let me talk about what was going on if I wanted to. Um, he would also just be happy to blabber about anything else. Very good at that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love him to fits, but <laughs> if you don't say anything, he is fine with that. He's fine with just holding the whole conversation to himself, <laughs> which served very well because a lot of it was just like I needed a space carved out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed a space carved out where I could be whatever emotion that I needed to be. Um, and that could be a range of things. Like sometimes I just needed to be blissfully just out of my headspace, a totally different person. I needed to just like pull myself out. Um, other times I just needed to fetch, you know, just be like, look, this is ridiculous. How in the, how in the world does all of this come together at one point? Like this is absurd. Um, in a way, like it was, <laughs> I was just frustrated all the time and everyone just kind of let me be. Um, I guess I didn't like the people who kind of gave me pity. A lot of people sidestepped me. <laughs> a lot of people sidestepped me. Uh, they did not like, I guess, having to look in the face of mm. everything that I was dealing with. Um, which I guess it can be a lot. And if you're not that close to me, it's not really something that you want to engage in. What does sidestepping look like, like in conversation or in? Um, some people would just kind of walk away. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> like legitimately be like, all right. And then, or like get on their phones or mm-hmm. start leading the conversation in a completely different direction. So like, if I'd be like, yeah, I, I heard this about my aunt, they'd be like, oh, well, I'm sorry about that. What are you, like, are you going home? What are you doing for the weekend? We're doing this this weekend. Or like. That's bizarre. (laughs) Yeah. I find that a lot of people don't know how to cope with it. Um, I think it's coming from a place of discomfort. Yes. Awkwardness. Like they don't know what to say. So they just don't talk about it. Yes. That's been uh, a big factor in a lot of conversations. Also, I've found that um, I still haven't drank. It's almost been. You know, it's been two and a half years now. It's a long time. Um, and I found that people get really uncomfortable that I don't have a drink in my hand. Mm. Um, I would still, like, once I started deciding I needed to socialize again, I would go out. Uh, and people would be like, are you going to have a, a beer? And I was like, no, I don't want to have a beer. I'm not drinking. Um, Jesus Christ, these dogs. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so <laughs> So people would ask me if I wanted something to drink and I'd be like, I'm, I'm good with water. Like I'm fine with that. So I started actually buying ginger beer, which are in like green bottles, like Heineken's or other green bottles, like a yingling or something. And uh, I would just start holding onto that. And people instantly were easier to deal with hmm. because they weren't uncomfortable. Wow. Yeah. It seems, it, it always seems strange to me that the people going through the difficult things wind up bearing the weight of like navigating people's reactions to it and they're like doing all the emotional labor of making other people feel comfortable (laughs) about the things they went through like it's just so backwards you know yeah it's pretty schmalty to be honest Um, (laughs) but if you like at the end of the day honestly I ended up ending a lot of friendships because of it um because a lot of people just 
like one person, I won't disclose her name, but um, I had told her about it, um, the DUI, like pretty much, I think three days after it happened. It was like the first time I was ready to even talk to anybody outside of my roommates. Um, and so I told her like three days after, and then I saw two of my other friends and they were like, oh, we heard. And I was like, excuse me? And they're like, are you okay? And I was just like, excuse me? So she just like went ahead and thought that it was totally fine to tell other people, despite that, I mean, they're my friends, sure, but that is not anybody's business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she would ask me like where I was going and if I was driving somewhere. And I was like, you know, I told you three days after it happened that this is no longer a thing for me. Like, and she just couldn't take the time or respect me enough to remember any of this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, you and I have different definitions of friendship. I'm sorry, bye. Um, and that actually ended up being the case with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Do you, so. are you glad for that? Kind of. Um, it was emotionally annoying to deal with them, to be honest, already. And I was just kind of, uh, I'm a relatively nice person. Uh, I usually give everybody a chance. And the second they mess up, I'm like, all right, so I'm pretty take it or leave it. And they were people that I was already kind of take it or leave it with. Um, but it was just frustrating that it had to be something so painful to me. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that gets abhorrent to treat somebody in that type of fashion mm-hmm. when they're at that low. Because um, it sounds like what what you really needed, which is simple but then hard for people at the same time, was just for people to hold space for you to be who you were as you were in that time, to feel whatever you were feeling at whatever you know, stage, non-stage of, of like grief, um, and hold space for you. Is that right? Yeah. It's really not, uh, it's not that complicated. Honestly, like we could just go for like a walk or something and we don't have to talk about anything. Just being in the presence of somebody who doesn't expect something from you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a lot of it is that you don't have any expectations of that person when they're going through a situation like that. Um, because that person also doesn't have any expectations of themselves at the time. Like, Right. I, I had no idea what any hour was going to hold for me mm-hmm. um, during the, those years. Anything could happen. Like at the flip of a dime, I could be a totally different person. Um, and I just needed people to be understanding of that. Did it help if people reached out to you, like said, hey, I'm in the neighborhood or, you know, let's go, let's go for a walk? Um, sometimes, yeah. Um, I mean, usually I think it's because I am really social that that really worked out for me. I'm not an introvert by any means. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of my better friends, when they saw me kind of reclusing, they were like, Ooh, no, we can't let her do that. She gonna go mad. And I did go mad during that time. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, but the people who know me best knew to reach out just for small things, like going to get coffee, just for like short blips of time to make sure I still had interaction. Um, but like not trying to wear me out, mm-hmm. which was really lovely. Um, I can't speak that an introvert would feel the same way. Um, I'm sure knowing that people care is incredibly important, mm-hmm. but I don't know that other people would appreciate, uh, like I did actually have friends just kind of show up sometimes to be like, yo, like 
you're, you got to get out of the house. And, um, I loved that because I do need that. A lot of people don't like that, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the person I am. Like if you showed up at my apartment tomorrow and we're like, yo, let's go. I'd be, I'd be stoked. Yeah, let's go. Um, but it did help just knowing that people thought of me, I guess, uh, made me feel a little bit less alone in the times where it was really dark. I read a blog post that you wrote recently, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, my perception was that you were in a really good, like really great mental space at the moment and kind of thriving. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm ecstatic <laughs> all the time now, um, which is why I say like, like everything was horrible. <laughs> everything was actually awful. Um, but I mean, the deaths weren't a good thing <laughs> at all, but the DUI, I think honestly ended up serving me. Like it was the lowest part of my life and it was one of the hardest things for me to deal with because it was my own construction bringing me down. And it was like the full <laughs> fruition of self-sabotaging. Like mm -hmm. that's what if it, it was the legal system getting in with my own self-sabotaging. It was a wild ride, but, um, it was kind of that that really pushed me to to stop just festering in my own little world and I was starting to get comfortable and I don't like being comfortable. I like to constantly be out of my comfort zone. Uh, I like to consider myself very ambitious and it was kind of a wake up call that I wasn't reaching to the places I needed to be reaching and uh, I came up to Chicago to visit a friend um, who'd moved up here for law school and I fell in love with the city immediately. It actually reminded me a lot of Paris and the way that it feels and the green space and the pockets of parks everywhere. Um, and so when I first moved up here, it was in December of last year, 2018. And I was a little bit sad because my aunt had just passed and she grew up from, uh, just around here from Antioch, but a lot of her time was in Chicago. So I was like a little bit resentful that I couldn't share this space with her. Um, but then I kind of took it as if I had shared this with her and then I lost her, I would always like pocket parts of the city and they would always bring me like a sadness. Um, but instead I have this whole city that's completely fresh. It's completely mine. Every single sidewalk I walk down is mine and it has no other connotations except for what I feel right now. And, um, I'm proud of where I am, um, which isn't something that I would have said before. <laughs> uh, I'm proud of the ladder that I climbed to get here. And I'm very confident that in a couple of years, I'll probably leave Chicago and it will be to France. Um, but I have full faith that that is my next step. And there's been many years when I couldn't see the next step. And now it's just like crystal clear what I want and there's a million ways to get it here in the city. It's incredible. Um, it's like a breath of fresh air. Every time this very aggressive wind from the lake comes, it's beautiful. Except for <laughs> Do you credit that moving to Chicago and that change in, I mean, really in your whole life, I mean, changing your setting kind of changes everything, but do you credit that with where you're at now or was it in combination with other things? Um, it's, it's definitely in combination with some things. Um, so I moved up here and two of my really close friends from my undergrad 
that I missed something awful, the ones that I came to visit um, a few years ago, they live up here. Um, so that was just fantastic. Like I moved to a city automatically with a support system that like I knew and I trusted. Um, a lot of it though, truthfully is, is the city. I needed something to reset. Um, and it was a big enough change and it was something that I did completely on my own. Um, that made it an accomplishment for myself. And it was a way of kind of assessing myself and through like <laughs> through the while of therapy that I did, there was a long time when I realized that like I didn't value the things that I do and the way that I value the things that other people do. So through <laughs> through all of that nonsense, I uh, the second I, I got here, I realized I was like, the girl, this is something you did. Like you need to still tie up some loose ends, but like you finally made it like you made it to a city you love you've got a whole chapter ahead of you that you get to completely write fresh and there's no reason for you to like cling to those other things anymore um like only hold on to the things that you you want to keep like i i literally threw out like well at least two-thirds of my belongings before moving up here like it really <laughs> was just like a restart on so much um and so just having that mental space i think really really did a lot for me and um since I moved up here uh my other wonderful friend that I also met in Paris who you know um he moved up here so he lives uh downtown which is fantastic and another one of my friends from undergrad actually just moved here uh last month so <laughs> I'm wow. slowly populating the city with my people <laughs> <laughs> oh that's beautiful yeah it seems like um like the other side of the coin to to Tallahassee. That's not the right phrase, but you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 It's it's like I've been a 180, honestly. Like Tallahassee is in the middle of the panhandle, Florida. There's only I-10 to get there. It is like its own little festering hellscape <laughs> surrounded by spiders, rough time, very humid. Um, here, I've seen very few spiders. That's already a plus. <laughs> No banana spiders to date. Very good. Good times. Um, <laughs> and just like, I just have access to so much more. I get to eat so much good food. Yeah. Like there's a, there's an Ethiopian restaurant just on the road from where I am right now. And I love it. And there's no Ethiopian in Tallahassee. <laughs> like, um, for a change. Can I ask what you, like, what do you see as success in life like what are you aiming for to feel like you're living it right um that's there's a lot of facets to that answer <laughs> <laughs> well because it, it seems like you know I see all this momentum in your life and I see from an outsider perspective um, and as your friend, just you, yeah, it's like kind of he healing, but also like new growth. And it feels like you're moving in a direction. And I'm just curious, um, what that direction is for you. Like, what's your end goal where you feel like you can be happy with how, how you live your life? Um, 
Well, I mean, I would say presently, um, I gauge where I am at to be a very large success. Um, my end goal is still France. Um, I'm looking at Lyon because I want to be near mountains. I've always wanted to be near mountains. And so I can't really settle until I have, <laughs> until I have that. Um, but I guess it's not really a monetary value for me as far as like how the way success is, is uh, measured. For me, I guess it's mostly just where I'm at and what type of experiences I'm having. So right now I'm, I'm not struggling, which is incredible. Um, and I smile like an idiot all the time walking <laughs> around streets. Like that's, that's about as successful as I feel like I can be. Like if I can just be happy in everyday occurrences, I really think that that's a huge measure of success. Um, I, for me personally, I want to be at a point where I'm, giving back more. Um, and I really want to work as a volunteer for some bigger organizations. There's, um, Médecins Sans Frontières here, and I really want to get in with them to kind of help some of the, their projects in the city. Um, that would be a very large measure of success for me would be to balance a work schedule and also be able to, you know, impact actual individual lives, which is why the program that I went into was perfect for me because it does have an impact through policy and um, public participation. Um, so that for me would be incredible. Um, a career change would be great. I, I want to stay in transportation, but I do want to go to a public sector, if not an NGO or something similar, just so that I can impact like, you know, communities instead of just individual like people that have money. I don't really want to be working for that. Um, so, I mean, ideally I want to work with refugees. That would be my greatest success would be able to sit comfortably, take care of my cats and, uh, you know, work with a community that doesn't really have a voice. Mm -hmm. Um, but to be truthful, something that I've started doing since I moved here and I've noticed it's something that I didn't really do before I moved here is that like, I do consider myself really ambitious and I'm always trying to climb a ladder. And so that being said, I'm never satisfied with where I am. Um, I'm always just like, Oh, well, I can be doing this and I should be doing this so I can accomplish this. Um, and since I've moved here, it's been, I mean, it's not that that's stopped. It's just that I have to take a moment and stop myself and be like, but you're here and you struggle to get here and you pushed so hard. So shouldn't you appreciate being here? Right. Um, so there's usually a couple days in the week, um, because I work four days a week. Uh, so like these two days out of my week, I like to like actually wander around a little bit and just be like, this is, this is where you are. You should really just be excited that you're here and remember that like, this is what you fought for at one point And this was the goal at one point. So be proud of that. Um, and that I think as a personal uh, goal, that's been like a huge success on my part is just learning to actually look at days day by day and not just big pictures because we're so told to look at big pictures and you forget all the little pictures that go by to make it. That was really beautiful. <laughs> it was. I'm like, you said that and I like almost gaped a little bit. 
man, well, I want to, I want to end on that like golden, beautiful last sentence and I keep ruining it with everything that's coming out of my mouth right now. <laughs> oh no, it's absolutely splendid. Stop that. Um, thank you for who you are. And I feel like who you are is a gift and your honesty is a gift. And, um, I feel like it gives permission for people around you to be, uh, themselves as well. So thanks oh, for talking with me today. Thank you. Thank you for giving me a chance to see your beautiful face and chat with you as well. Mm-hmm.